Schwam Harris with us today, who has uh, earned um, my hero uh, ranking for all of the years I've known her because she is always doing the serious, dirty, hard work that the rest of us should do, but never really quite make enough time to do. This time, she's basically working with the legislature, which is really hard work. And this was a particularly rough session. When at the end, when the usual kind of last minute add-ons happened, add-ons happened and they were extremely um, uh, unhappy for many people. And um, so there was just a, a kind of a mess. And I don't truthfully understand exactly what was going on. My appraisal of the situation is that the Republicans want it all. And the Democrats are kind of, I don't know, kind of emasculated really in, in, in a way right now. Um, and that's not because we don't have some women up there who are battling for us, but um, I don't have the sense that the Democrats have figured out how to counter message with the Republicans well enough. 
That said, I just really need to be informed by somebody who knows what she's talking about with the legislature, and that happens to be Julie Schwam Harris. What's going on? Well, I don't know that I'm that qualified to answer what's going on. I'll tell you what I know. And let me first say, I'm, I'm a volunteer advocate. When I retired from city government years ago, I stayed involved and have used my knowledge of government and you know how things work to keep um, other people informed of what's going on, whatever I can figure out about it. And I focus on some key issues but I also try to keep track of a broad array of issues because there are so many that really hurt or could potentially help people in the state. So this was a budget session. So what was go supposed to go on was to pass a budget when the state has 3 billion like extra money. It's for whatever reason, things are going well as far as collections of funding. And so in a year like that, even though we have a terrible structure for how we tax and spend money, they were flush with cash and could do some things that could really make things better with recurring funds and some one-time spending that could make things better for infrastructure or for programs that needed some one-term investments. What they did is the Republicans particularly fought amongst themselves some very conservative fiscal hawks or whatever you wanna call them. They wanted to put, they don't want government to grow. That's what they say. They don't want government to grow despite the fact that half of our state needs government there as a safety net for all kinds of things. And, their constituents are part of that half of Louisiana that isn't making it financially. And yet they are fighting tooth and nail to not let government grow, to make it look like they're saving money when all they're really doing is hurting people. So they passed a budget that actually was a compromise between the Senate, which was willing to spend a chunk of that extra money on infrastructure, and some important one-time things. But the House had fought that and there was so much confusion, they ended up passing a budget that accidentally took $100 million out of healthcare, which actually will cost possibly 700 million in lost revenue considering the match we get from the federal government on mental health and some of the other um, things that that healthcare money would have gone for. And they didn't fund what they thought they were supposed to be funding because they kind of agreed on raising teachers' salaries by 2,000 and, and, uh, and other school personnel by 1,000. But they didn't make it a permanent raise because the way they passed it, it became a stipend and is only going to happen once. And they, they didn't pass as much of the funding needed for childcare subsidies so that people could actually be a part of the workforce and work, which is what businesses say they want and what people are trying to do. And there were quite a few other things that screwed up. So that's sort of the overall picture. And there's still a lot of talk about even uh, the need for a possible special session so, so, Julie, uh, I just want to be honest and tell you that um, I have a kind of perverse view of this whole situation in that it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a 
fact that when you take away money for early childhood development, you take away money from healthcare, um, you, you take away money from, from the education system in general, you take away money from services to people that would help them advance towards what we built our country on, which was this notion of equal opportunity, at least just opportunity. And ultimately it costs all the taxpayers more because if you take money away from healthcare, then people wind up in emergency care and emergency care is much more expensive than preventive healthcare. Um, you, you don't give uh, children um, a little bit of a leg up on how to learn and function so that later on when they get into high school and they have to really kind of understand what they can do with their lives and, and the careers that are potential and so on, then you are compromising them and then you're sending them out in the streets. And I've talked to enough high school kids to know that that is definitely the alternate path often for too many. Um, so we all pay. It's expensive not to put pay. money into these programs. But somehow, I don't think the Democrats are getting that message out. Pardon me, all, but I kind of blame the Democrats just as much as the Republicans for what we're doing, what's going first on. First of all, this country was funded on a myth. There's never been equal opportunity. First of all, the racism and the, the, the slavery and Jim Crow, there was never equal opportunity for a large portion of the population of this country. And working people have always been a disadvantage because of the economic structure, whether black or white, but it's predominantly been minorities who have taken the brunt, have never had, you know, we, are, we set a minimum wage, but we haven't raised the minimum wage in years. And so that, that divide between higher wages and the, the people that are making lower wages, and I'm not talking about just people in poverty, the Alice Report of the United Way, and United Way is not a radical organization, but the Alice Report, asset limited, income constrained, employed, shows that 50, over 50% 50 of the families, households in this state are not making it financially. They're, They're not making enough money to pay no, no. for rent so for got, a two bedroom apartment got, is what I saw yesterday. They're not making enough money to pay for food, rent, utilities, now we've got issues with insurance and just repairs after storm after storm, which is a whole other can of worms. So we've got an economic structure that is failing. And everybody says, well, why is Louisiana last? Our whole economic structure is, is failing people in general. That, that, that's one thing. The other thing is we've, you know, you've got to, you can fund programs like, you do need to fund healthcare because you have to be alive to thrive. And, and we don't, they do it only resentfully. When I say they, it's basically the, the, the Democrats that are pushing to fund healthcare, to fund education. So I, I don't wanna talk about failed parties. I'm talking about philosophies and, and the way people are voting. There are people voting for good things for people and it tends to be Democrats and it tends to be independents. Once in a while, a Republican will vote with the Democrats, like a, a, a Senator Pope will vote for raising the minimum wage and he's a Republican or a state representative Stagney will vote for against some of the horrific uh, bills against LGBTQ, but we have a horrible economic system and we use 
segments of the population to to target or not we they they use segments to target such as the LGBT uh, LGBTQ community and so they spent a lot of time not dealing with economic issues which were what the purpose of this session was. I, I totally there were agree. More criminal justice bills than there were economic bills in an economic session of the legislature because everybody's like got their hair on fire about crime but they refuse to do the basic work of setting up an economy where people can live in stable, calm households, where children can grow up, where their families have the time, the energy and the wherewithal to raise them in calm households. We know the effect of poverty on children. We know the effect of poverty just on people and their mental health in general. And so we just got, we've got a screwed up system and, and we're last and we're not going to change from being last, even if we would put money in education and healthcare, because we've really got to change the economic system, in my opinion. But I'm going to talk about some specific there's nothing, there's nothing that you have said that I disagree with, but the one thing that I feel so strongly about is that there's something dead wrong with the way we Democrats are messaging or communicating that we cannot reach even people who are. Everybody is finally acknowledging, and I said this from day one, the when when Trin, uh, excuse me, when Trump got elected, that people are feel disenfranchised. And they pick a guy like Trump, who's just among all the epithets, he's just a bully, thinking, okay, he's going to bully for us. He's a bully, and he may be even a, a, a bad guy and self-centered and whatever, all the bad things that are said about him. But he's our guy, and nobody else has our backs. So if, if people feel like nobody has their backs, including Democrats, they are going to go for the, the guy, the authoritarian, frankly, who they think is going to break through the mess and do something good for them. And so and then they get sold really bad political policy, bad social policy, um, because it comes along with those kind of guys. So they are feeding this this really bad, nasty messaging to people who are actually um, uh, they think are craving that message, but really the only reason they are is because that message is what's being delivered to them by the, the characters that they think are going to somehow um, uh, bring them back from their totally disenfranchised world that they live in. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying you know, they seem to be getting their message across better than us. It's really easy to tell lies and to divide and conquer. It is really hard to unite people that have a lot of different needs. And so I don't have any answers to what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not an expert on messaging. What I'm here to talk about is the facts of a legislative session where a lot of energy and focus and money, because it's money that backs these efforts to attack the LGBT community, to attack, to go back on criminal justice reform just because you can take advantage of what has happened from a screwed up economic system and then turn it into the, the kinds of things that will not solve your crime problem. 
but will maybe get you elected because based on the misinformation you're using to get elected. So I, I want to talk about the kind of issues that were out there that gave that people tried to get messaging across, paid family and medical leave. We know it will save lives. We've got women, women in this state and women in this country, actually, we're one of the few countries going backward in the, the outcomes for pregnant women, backward in the outcomes. But we don't have required paid family and medical leave. We have paid, we have unpaid leave. You, you aren't supposed to lose your job if you can afford to not earn money for, for a certain amount of time, but that's not gonna cut it because people need to work. As I said, over half the people in Louisiana are barely making it economically as it is. Well, when you don't even let, you know, paid family and medical leave policy out of the labor committee, which has been stacked by a, you wanna talk partisan politics, a Republican uh, speaker of the house to be a committee that's gonna kill all labor bills that actually help working people raising the minimum wage, equal pay for women to stop retaliation for talking about wages, you know, uh, trying to provide um, some sort of uh, security from violence in the workplace, because we've got workplaces like our stores where they're, you know, workers are actually at risk because of the, the there's no policies to protect them from, from the kind of risky things that these these business owners will will do so when you stack a committee to me that's that's the partisan politics that's really eating at people and destroying their lives I, again I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying um I just think it's amazing that I, I would say ever since um what was that guy's name Lee something that that helped usher in Nixon politics and and Reagan politics a really nasty um, public relations guy who worked for the Republicans. Basically, Lee Atwater, ever since Lee Atwater really is is when we've had this horrible techno-prisoners kind of war, um, uh, war path process, rather than um, a, a legitimate debate over what is the the real way to, to solve problems. And I, oh, I know- so we, you know, so what do we, we need to take the time we have right now to help people know, staying, staying uh, on top of some of the issues that you care about, establishing relationships with legislators that are representing you, even knowing who your legislators are. I mean, I'm in this, in this effort as a volunteer advocate, not just to talk about the issues, but to actually get people to work in a very practical way. To work in a practical way to a know who your legislators are and communicate with them and and try to stay aware as best you can through people or organizations that actually send out information or however you learn about what's going on in your world to try and make a choice at an election booth stay engaged it's hard because sometimes you don't have good choices but stay engaged and try to make those choices when you've got them offered to you and 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 for young people to get involved as much as they can to actually start running you know to be the leaders that they with the kinds of policies they want to see I want to, you know, I don't want to go back to Lee Atwater. I want to talk about what people are doing now to try and stop this from happening. We've got, you know, we've got this, this fight going on. Is anybody talking to the governor about what he should be vetoing? He should be vetoing some of this backtracking on criminal justice legislation. He should be vetoing and he's promised to veto, although he hasn't done it yet. Um, the anti-LGBTQ legislation that 
takes away health care from trans kids, even if their parents know they need it and want it. It takes away the, the legal ability to provide the kind of health care that is best practices around the country that, that won't let people use pronouns or names, that won't let people talk about their own families just because they happen to be LGBTQ families. I mean, we've got stuff that the governor should veto. So people should be calling the governor to veto what they care about. We've got, we're in a state that is on the, you know, we are we are right at the 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 point of of the of the knife for climate change. You know, all of our state down below I-10 is at risk for being underwater within a generation or less. And so why are we the state that is putting the most investment into carbon, uh, carbon capture and sequestration, which just continues the investment and the money making. Or just generally into the petrochemical industry Correct. instead of, instead instead of, of putting energy. the real money and emphasis into energy efficiency, rebuilding homes, making them hardened so that they kind of, you know, get the kind of, uh, get the kind of insurance they need because, you know, everybody's all upset about the insurance going up, but they're still supporting their, but if they're supporting their legislators who are actually causing the policies to continue that cause them to have such high insurance. Okay. You know, we're not, so. Yeah, I, 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 you know, again, I, I agree with everything you're saying and I understand it. Um, I, I, you're not gonna persuade me that we're doing a good job of messaging on the democratic side, but let, let me go to the now. You don't wanna talk about the past. Let's talk about what can the average citizen who has not been particularly involved do what's the simplest, easiest thing that they can do to somehow um, uh, add their fingers to the scales to make the things happen that we need to happen? So, um, you know, is, is there is, are there three issues that people could call their legislators about? And 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 if so, I, I mean, I, I understand the session's over, but are we are we going to have a special session? Is that going to happen? Do we know yet? No, we don't know. And the thing is, if the legislature, first we want the governor to veto the bad bills, the bills that are hurting people in the community in in New Orleans and in Louisiana. There and so are you saying that's the, the experienced and um, the ACLU and and a lot of the organizations that have uh, the LCCR, which is Louisiana Center for Children's Rights. And um, some of the organizations that have been working on criminal justice reform, they have been putting out information about what the bills are that the governor, we hope, will veto. So we're trying to get him to veto. And then, so, so that's they, the. Way, are you saying that that's the most important thing at the moment to do? So can you can you make it very very easy for the non-initiated, um, caring but not involved uh, people who are in this audience? Because most of the people in our audience, let's face it, this is WBOK, even just my show, um, my show is really Crosstown Conversations is, is really reaching a very broad spectrum of people in, throughout the city, uptown, downtown, everywhere. Give them, a, give them just the easiest possible way that they can have an impact on the governor to, to try to, to make sure that the vetoes that are important happen. Well, I, you know, they have... I can't make it that easy. I'm telling you, uh, do you want bill numbers? I mean, I'm telling you that there are issues out there and I can give you some bill numbers depending on what the issues are they care about. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think let's not do bill but numbers. The thing is, but it's, it's, them. it's telling the governor to veto criminal justice bills 
that backtrack on criminal justice reform. It's telling the governor to veto bills that attack people for being who they are. And then it is telling their legislators. Now in New Orleans, most of our legislators are pretty progressive, but if you've got listeners in Jefferson Parish, depending on what part of Jefferson Parish, some of their reps and some of the, you know, are, are, are doing a good job. But in many cases, you know, they are, they are not on the same side as a lot of the Democratic state reps and senators that are representing New Orleans. So telling their legislators don't, if the governor vetoes these bad bills, don't go override back to session to override them. But right. the most, the simplest thing to tell people to do, pay attention to this next governor's race, because though governor Edwards is not perfect, he's done a lot of really fine things. And if we, if we get some of the other candidates in other than the lead Democrat, and I, I, if this can be political, I'm happy to say who that is, we're gonna be in a lot worse trouble than we are right now. And we're in some pretty bad, pretty bad trouble right now. We've, been, you know, we've had redistricting that has eroded even further power, particularly from the black community and from the democratic, you know, members of the community around the state. Um, so they've got to elect, we've got hope of electing a statewide person who is more progressive, similar to what John Bell Edwards is. And, and we'll look out for working people, we'll look out for healthcare, we'll look out for um, at least some of the, the issues that I personally work on on economic security, he's been a big proponent of raising the minimum wage of equal pay. Say the name, say the uh, name that you want to say. Uh, Sean Wilson. Sean Wilson is a very qualified, credible candidate for governor. And he needs, and he's getting some good endorsements from, I think, people that are respected around the state. People need to take this vote seriously. They need to not only vote themselves, but think about the young people around them that may or may not be registered yet, or if they're registered, if they're away at college, they may not be in town on that day, they have to vote either, uh, you know, long distance, whatever. Find people, volunteer. It doesn't have to be partisan volunteering, volunteer with the, the campaign that you care about to just engage people because it's hard. We don't always have good choices at the state rep and state legislative level in all parts of this state. So well, so there are two well, things have, that you well, said. We have a good choice, I think, for governor. There are two things that you have said that I want people to remember as we go away from this conversation. Um, and, 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 and one of them is, is to make sure to call the governor's office. If you have the phone number to say it, um, Julie, or they can just, you know, 411 or, or Google the, the governor's office and say that please get a message to the governor to please veto the, the bills that would take us back to the past in how we handle criminal justice. That's yeah, one that simple thing. You just one say, simple thing. The second simple thing. Criminal justice reform. Okay. Veto the bills and backtrack on criminal justice reform. Okay, secondly, please be sure and think not just about voting yourself, but really think about talking about voting with your friends. 
That's all you have to do. You don't have to get in a car and go pick them up. Sometimes there are people you you know who are not able to get to the, help those. But at the very least, talk about it. Talk with your friends about the importance of voting in this election. If you did those two things, those two relatively simple things, it would have a value and an impact. I think one of the things that makes it hard for all of us to do what we could and should do is being a little bit skeptical that we're going to have an impact. And that goes back to my feeling about not really messaging in a way that motivates. So, you know, I keep, I, I can't help but constantly as we go through what we're going through, thinking about the WPA days when we took very unpopular, it wasn't like it was easy, it was unpopular to do the things that was done by Franklin Delano Roosevelt's administration, but it got them done. And it, I heard someone say to me two days ago, was it two days ago or yesterday, that the fact of the matter is that there is worse conditions, worse social and economic conditions for people all over this country now than there was in the Great Depression. I can't verify and, and endorse that. I don't know that. But that's what apparently there's been some coverage on recently. And so if that's true, then all the more reason why this is not just another year of kind of a downbeat situation. This is we're kind of in a, in a really critical moment. I, you know, I keep talking about inflection points. My own life is at an inflection point because of a, a health problem in my family. So um, I'm very conscious of the fact that once things change in a certain way, they don't necessarily go back to some, quote, you know, old normal. They change. And change, I keep saying in all my newsletters and on my show, change is coming, as Bob Dylan said. Change is definitely coming. And it's really up to us which direction it goes in. So, Julie, I, again, I, I can't tell you how much I respect and love you for what you do and I'm one of the people who who is really kind of hard to get me to send those letters to legislators. But I can certainly make a phone call to the governor. And I talk to people all the time about voting. In fact, I did a button that says art votes that I distribute to my art friends. And somebody at NEA actually copied it and they're doing art votes now nationally. So it's reminding people that you may be an artist and think that you're sort of not in the, in the swim of the political universe, but you are a voter and voting counts. So I think if, if, if we get just those two messages out of this discussion, and I appreciate so much that you shared with people the details of just how rugged this has been this session. It's, it's more rugged been rugged. It's been rugged for quite a while. You know when it really started getting rugged in my memory? So I was still a reporter at WDSU when they passed right to work legislation. So right me, to fire. They call it right to right, work. Right to, fire. right to fire. That, legislation. that to me was the inflection point when all of the politics changed. And I don't want to go into all the reasons for it in the history, but um, well, there's it, no balance. In my mind, when that happened, things never went back. No, there's no balance of power between the money and the business community and the focus on workers. I mean, workers are, uh, they, sh they have rights as well. This state and, and economic development focuses for the most part on work, on, on businesses and businesses needs, not on workers needs. Workers, yes, they need to work, but job businesses are not job creators 
because they're self-sacrificing job creators. They are trying to make money and they're trying to lower their costs. And we, we have to have some sort of way to, to make sure that the needs of, of the workers that they want to make money off of are being met as individual human beings, also worthwhile of, of making money, living a, living a life and living a life that gives them healthy mental space to breathe and to support their families. And that is not what we have in this state. That is why we are last in almost everything. And we aren't gonna get there through just education. Education is important and a few will win the lottery through education but we will get there by changing some of the structures, union versus business and wages, protecting wages to a point where people can't be exploited as much as they are. All right, well, thank you. So I hate, to, I hate to tell you this, but following you, um, I have a little lineup that is now everybody, I'm, I'm late for everybody, but it was worth it because I think this is so important, but I, I, I am gonna follow this with summer cocktails about, you know, not, not exactly the way you would want me to follow your message. But if you do your job of voting and sending a message to the governor, you have the right to a summer cocktail. And we're about to go through some really wonderful recipes that I've had friends tell me about. So, Julie, thank you so much for everything you do. We want it.
I made a point of choosing creatives that I know uh, for uh, suggestions for refreshing summer cocktails and all kinds of special drinks. And Tammy Pittman is one of those people. She's been involved in the arts, both in New Orleans and also in New York. And she's bi-coastal. So um, I hope that fits into the categories that are okay. Or maybe, you know, our friend in Florida might not like even bi-coastal, who knows? But um, I, I, I'm dying to hear your recipe because I particularly like a mention that you had told me offline about um, Kentucky. So we want to include that. But uh, tell me, tell me first of all, your, your formula for a cocktail for summer. Tammy Pittman. Okay. So I um, really, this started out as a dessert because um, um, I like vanilla ice cream, but I don't really love it. And I do love bourbon. So I uh, one day put some bourbon on my ice cream. Probably not the first person to do that. Um, and it's delicious. So, um, but if you want to have a cocktail, you just add more bourbon <laughs> and uh, you have a vanilla ice cream and bourbon cocktail. Um, so you, essentially it's, it's, you can kind of control the, uh, the medium, so to speak, uh, with just how much bourbon and how much ice cream you mix. So it could be anything from like a slushy thing to a milkshake. drink uh, or kind of like a milkshake or just, you know, basically uh, ice cream with a little bit of bourbon on it. So it's all yeah. according yeah, to yeah, the yeah. proportions, right? Yes, yes. Where'd you get the idea for this? Uh, just, you know, it... Uh, <laughs> well, who wouldn't think of a thing like that? I bet I'm not the first. It's a really good idea, you know? And if you like, if you have a good bourbon hanging around and maybe you don't want to drink like straight bourbon for whatever reason, and you find vanilla ice cream kind of vanilla, um, then it just seems like the natural thing to do to combine them. So, well, also, I mean, there's no doubt about the fact that human beings adore ice cream. So that to begin with is a great thing, right? Yeah. And then secondly, I think, um, you know, bourbon, I mean, I'm, I'm a Yankee originally. I'm a, I call myself a reformed Yankee. But in college, I had a, uh, a date buddy, you know, the kind of guy you just go out with for the fun. And um, he liked bourbon. And so he introduced me to it. And I grew to like it. And I hate scotch. My you father drank much I of it. I really don't like scotch that much. Right. So, <laughs> so what are you going to do with, for a whiskey? It's, it's bourbon. Yeah. And I, I particularly actually like Weller's. I mean, Jack Daniels is just fine. But Weller's is really pretty special. And there's one other... Maker's Mark, right? Oh, yeah. Maker's I Mark is my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that so, was my grandmother's um, bourbon. My grandmother, um, you know, had Maker's Mark a few times a day. Got her through. Two times a day. Wait, <laughs> what times of the day? Well, I I could tell you because she timed them to the minute. She kept a <laughs> watch on on the coffee table in front of where she sat on the sofa, and when oh, it my. struck twelve noon was time for her pre-lunchtime Maker's Mark. And then, um, you know- Straight or on the rocks or what? On the rocks. Okay. Rocks. And then uh, five o'clock, she'd get <laughs> to have a couple more. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's good training. Thanks to grandma, right? You know, you were able to 
cultivate your love for a great uh, liquor that I agree with you is great. And in New Orleans, we have so many choices now with um, some of the companies based here that are in the bourbon business. So that doesn't hurt either. Tammy, what you do in this summer? I am doing various visits to various family people. Nothing too exciting. Um, making art. Um writing and reading and hanging out with my daughter who just moved in it's going to be a nice summer right yeah. well you enjoy it and um i think so people... new orleans in a minute i can't wait and uh i think that uh, some other folks are going to be enjoying your um suggestion i have no doubt when they hear that mixture um, i think it's irresistible and you're irresistible thank you so much and i can't wait to see you thanks Jean. see you All soon right. Bye. You take care.
Mapo is one of the most creative artists in the city, so I had to call her for her suggestion for a creative summer drink. Not only is she offering a creative summer drink, but show us your beautiful Yaya cup glass. That is, uh, I, I've got to get some of those. That's that's super great. And and anyway, let's talk about what's in it. Um, well, I like to have something that's somewhat tropical. Uh, given the weather right now, <laughs> it feels like we're in the tropics. So um, I usually start off with some kind of juice. Uh, it could be, ideally, they used to make this mango lemonade that was like perfect. Ooh. But right now I'm just going to use lemonade because that's what I had. And I, um, uh, since I did a little shopping, I have, they have these things called Izzy's, which are kind of like, uh, carbonated sparkling stuff. Um, but I used a mango, uh, Izzy. So I mixed this mango Izzy with lemonade to give, to give those two flavors, mango and lemon. And, yeah. <laughs> and then I add some ginger beer. Um, it could be whatever ginger beer you like. So we've got juice and two carbonated things. And then I add a little bit of Malibu rum. And in this particular yeah. case, I cut up a, I, I don't know if you could, I don't know if you could see it, but um, oh, yeah. put a little bit of um, some fresh strawberries in there. Yeah, and that's it. I want it. That, is, that sounds great. You little, know, little I, think ice. I, I think I just got an idea because I think I'm having so much fun asking people for their, their drink suggestions. I think we have to have an event where people come and make their different, we, we have a kind of massive bar and we have all these different uh, creative bartenders. You know what that reminds me of? I just remembered that for the opening of the Contemporary Arts Center, Tannen did what he called the security bar. I don't know if you went to that event, but it was about 10, like, you know, the old fashioned windows that they would have in stores. So it was 10 security bars like that all lined up. And then I had people like, oh, yeah. city councilmen and state senators and like Sidney Bartholomew and Nat Kiefer. They were judges, I mean, uh, bartenders along with other people. But I just remembered that. I think I'm going to have to see if I can get him to maybe do a, um, a, a not a redo, he tannin will not do redos, but he'll do <laughs> some other idea for a massive bar. Won't that be a fun event? It would just be, you know, artists, cocktails. Yeah, we got to do that. Oh, I love talking to creative people because you know what happens? You you have, they they rub off on you and you get creative ideas from them. Well, it's it sounds like you you've done this before, so I'm just you know I'm just sparking memories at this point. <laughs> no, I haven't done this before. I mean, I I did two other um, shows, one on summertime, and the reading is easy, and then I did summertime, and the eating is easy, and so this is now summertime, <laughs> and the drinking is easy. But I've never done this before this time. But oh yeah, I'm gonna have to get one of those. They still sell them. Uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They always have. If you ever, whenever Yaya yeah is open, they have a a shop, and you can do a little shopping. We always, we had a, a, a we have annual events, uh, and we had I think it was um, 
brass and glass. And so they had a fabulous band playing and blowing glass at Yaya, of course, and then selling glass. And you could actually, when you bought the glass, they actually served you in your glass too. So oh, that's great. I love it. But I have I have quite a collection now of Yaya glasses. <laughs> Tons of different styles, different right. colors. They're amazing. And it's a great organization that, you know, fosters creativity and entrepreneurship for young people with an after school program and summer programs and all kinds and and, and, of and you see that this creative artist has just proven my basic tenant that um, our creative industry is really important for the future of this city and our creative artists are the ones who are making things happen. Mapo, as always, thank you so much. That was great. I love it. And I'm going to definitely be trying that drink. And I'm going to try to get one of those Yaya glasses, at least one or two for 10 and me. Okay. Thank you. You're you welcome. Have a, summer. have a good one. I know we can make it. I know that we can. I know darn well. We can work it out. Yes, we can. No, we can. Can. Yes, we can. Can. Why can't we? If we want to. Yes, we can. Can. I know. Clifton Webb is one of those creatives in town that I have known almost since I got here. And he was one of the original founders of the Contemporary Arts Center. A lot of people say they were, but he, he really was part of our starting group. Um, but Clifton, right now, what I really want to hear from you is your special selected um, summer cocktail, because you're a creative, so I know you've got a creative drink. All right. Well, uh, mine is a smoothie. I enjoy uh, creating smoothies uh, once a day and sometimes twice a day. Uh, they're good in the middle, the beginning, and uh, the evening. I like to mix up bananas, strawberries, mangoes. And as Jean has noticed on last evening, uh, I opened up my refrigerator and showed you most of my ingredients. I uh, have marengo and uh, uh, protein powder. I love uh, putting honey in my drink. And I have all these items ready to just a nice little plethora of ingredients that I like uh, putting together, maybe two at a time, and especially three or four at a time. I enjoy creating these smoothies with uh, one of my special ingredients is uh, ginger. I love putting raw ginger into that. I put a little tam uh, a little uh, cinnamon and a little turmeric, and then I'm off to the races. I'll say that that ought to take you out there on the races. Now, nothing alcoholic? <laughs> nothing alcoholic. I might graduate to that in the future, but uh, not at present. Well, it sounds fantastic. I've never been a good smoothie maker. Uh, I, I don't know how to do it, so I'm afraid of it. And there are just certain things like I, I can't do crawfish um, 
dishes and I don't do gumbo because I'm just scared of them and I'm scared of smoothies. Isn't that crazy? But um, I love yours. I may I may just give it a try. And okay. I know that some folks out there who hear your concoction will agree that that sounds like a good deal. All righty. Very good. All right. Clifton Webb with his favorite summer day drink. Loved it. And, and, Thank and you. Take care and have a great summer. All righty. You do the same. All right, Clifton. Bye-bye, Dale. All right. Okay. Just before I close, I just want to uh, remind everybody that Clifton actually also has a terrific show opening at Angela King's Gallery in the French Quarter. Now, please send in your drink suggestions. I asked some of you, many of you, uh, to send me your drinks. And and we're going to do this all summer long. So please send me some ideas to jnathan.ci at gmail.com. And... Have a great summer. You know, we just passed the solstice, so days start shrinking and the evening starts stretching. Gene Nathan for Croissant Conversations. Talk with you soon.